So one thing I want to uh, you know get across uh, to your audience, and especially business owners, is that you know that you have to accept reality reality the way it is and not the way you wish it, uh, you know you want it and you know you have to develop resilience and uh, you know and think positive and so on and so forth and all these things can be learned you know these are some of the things some of it you're born with but most importantly you can you can learn these things Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. Hey, everybody, David Nagel. Welcome to another episode of the Successful Mind Podcast. Today, I have an amazing man, Samir day he wrote the book one fine day hopefully you can see that there we want to make sure you get this book and check it out we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about that and Samir's journey this man has an absolutely incredible journey talk about overcoming issues that happen in a person's life I mean major serious challenges this guy is the absolute master at it Samir welcome to the show well thanks David for having me I'm truly honored that I'm on thank you my pleasure. My pleasure. Samir, why don't you talk to us about your journey a little bit? What happened a few years back? And uh, t- walk us through that because it was it was extraordinarily significant. Uh, talk about a challenge in someone's life. Sure, I'll do that. And, and before uh, I do that, David, I'll just give a quick 10-second overview of background information on me. Sure. You know, I, I was born in India and I grew up in Mumbai. And I moved to the United States 30 years ago, first as an international student. And then I found employment in global consulting and technology firms. Then I got my green card and then I eventually became a citizen. And I lived in Cleveland and Boston. And then I finally settled in Northern Virginia outside of Washington DC uh, since 2002. So that's my quick background. And so, uh, you know, things were uh, uh, chugging along fine the way I look at it uh, till that fateful day of January 2017. You know, I had a very massive and a very rare stroke, a genetic form of stroke, which led to a brain hemorrhage. I was 47 and with a young family. You know, I had two brain surgeries. I spent 30 days in a coma and I've been uh, rehabbing ever since. So I was completely you know, bedridden. Then I moved to a wheelchair, then on a walker, and now I'm on a cane. You know, I still have issues with balance, dizziness, and headache. Okay. You know, the way I look at it is I'm breathing, and I'm still alive, and I'm here to tell my story. When this first that happened... Was, that was you, my first major uh, you know, life-altering event uh, uh, almost four years ago, Jan 31st, 2017. And then because of the stroke, you know, in 2018, I had to stop working. And, and this was after working nonstop for 24 years, you know, I had to stop working. And then in 2018, 18, I had another personal crisis. I went through a divorce. So these three things, you know, the stroke, uh, the, you know, stopping work and getting divorced, you know, my entire life came crashing down. I felt like a rug had been pulled out from under me. 
but I was, you know, totally grateful and thankful that I had survived, right? Yeah. And I wanted to give back to society. Uh, that is to help others uh, going through any adversity or any major life changes. I wanted my stories, experiences, and lessons learned from my journey to help others. So I wanted to share as much as possible with others. So I decided to pen my memoir one fine day, and it's my sincere hope that it will some it will provide some information, comfort and inspiration to others. So you may be wondering, right, with uh, this condition, how was I supposed to write, right? Now, I couldn't uh, uh, you know, sit in front of a computer for more than 10 minutes at a stretch. You know, I could only use one hand for typing. Plus, I was not a professional writer. Okay. But you know, my calling was so strong that I wanted to help others. And, and I found a way. You know, I found a ghostwriter back in the U.S., in Pittsburgh. And we, we collaborated on writing this book. So I would send some notes and some initial thoughts about the chapter. Then he will draft a little bit of the chapter. Then I'll add, delete to it, and then send it back to him. And he'll fine-tune it further, and so on and so forth. So that way, we wrote 11 chapters in, in one year. And what that allowed me to do, David, was uh, you know, not focus too much on the com computer. You know, I was I was able to uh, work on my computer computer, uh, you know, at a ten minute stretch. So this allowed me to do that. So I call myself an accidental author. I had never ever imagined that I will be writing a book, but uh, you know, I had to do this. My calling was very very strong uh, to share my experiences with others. So that's my story in a nutshell. Wow. So so let me let's go back for a second. When this first happened, when the stroke happened. Um, you said you were in a coma for 30 days. Is that correct? That's correct. What did you think when you came out of that coma? What did they tell you? Right. So, you know, the first 30 days, you know, I have uh, no recollection whatsoever, barring a few, few things, uh, which I remember in the ICU. And I've mentioned that those in the book, but first 30 days, I had no recollection. My consciousness, uh, you know, I, I regained my consciousness only when I, when they shifted me to a rehab hospital after 30 days. So as soon as I woke up, you know, they, my ex-wife uh, and, and the doctors told me what had happened. And I just couldn't believe it. You know, I was totally you know, in, in denial because here I was going like 100 miles an hour before my stroke. Yeah. And now things that had come to a screeching halt, I was barely, you know, maybe 10 miles or maybe 20 miles. So it was very hard for me to comprehend what the heck was going on. So the second chapter in my book, you know, I have titled as Why Me? Because these thoughts uh, hounded me. You know, why is this happening to me? You know, why is this happening to my family? And these uh, thoughts hounded me for at least six to eight months after the stroke. And I slowly, slowly started to accept the reality. But waking up uh, to this reality was definitely very tough. And no matter what information I was provided uh, by my ex-wife and my doctors, I just could not believe it. You know, accepting it was it was a big challenge. So, when in those days when you were saying, "Why did this happen to me?" What was your mind telling you at that point? Right. So I was, you know, uh, I was constantly under this, uh, you know, this mode of, you know, why me? Why is this happening to me? Yeah. The my my mind my mind kept telling me that you know you must have done something wrong or you may have done something which uh, that's why you're paying for this uh, and you know i i was just uh, you know uh, totally pissed at the uh, injustice of it all 
so my mind kept telling me that you know uh, this is uh, you know it was hard for my mind to accept the reality but my mind also kept telling me that you know i will be okay and i'll go back to work in about one or two months so that's where my mind was that i'll be okay and i'll 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 go back to work in uh, one or two months and this is you're talking about march of uh, 2017 i'm to date i have not gone back to work i'm on long term disability gotcha is it is it normal for a person to go through that denial and then like a self blame cycle when something when when a tragedy like this happens in their life yeah i i think so i think each one of us you know we are humans right so each one of us you know uh, have 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 uh, you know we we go through this and it depends on the individual right, right? a sure. lot of people have you know intense feelings about this they get depressed they get sad and so on and so forth a lot of people you know have these kind of feelings but they they plow through and try to uh, make the best out of the situation and move on so i fell in the latter on category so i was definitely sad sad about uh, the things happening to me but i was not depressed i i wanted to kind of uh, you know find something uh, to do with my life after all these tragedies so i i definitely you know uh, you know the why me uh, you know was very persistent for the first 6 to 8 months but then i took upon myself to do doing a couple of things uh to help me with reducing the episodes of my, why me so it was you know the why me was always constant uh, right after my stroke you know it was like all, i would i would say almost like every hour i would feel sad for me i would feel sorry for me i would always uh, you know challenge why me and after 6 or 8 months i slowly started to accept my reality and and the thoughts of why me you know came to me uh, but they were not that frequent so i think yeah, the answer to your question is yes everybody goes through it and everybody has to go through it and then come out and hopefully come out uh, on the other side stronger so when you so it took 6 8 months and then your your mind started to change around where you started to move into acceptance had you already lost your job at that point no that that time i you know they had uh, kept my job open okay so this was uh, roughly around uh, the fall of uh, 2017 so uh, you know grant thornton where i work they had kept my job open as long as they could uh, till 2018 so that point i had not lost my job but the the two things i did david to help me you know overcome this why me i did two things which i think have had helped me first thing i discovered uh, the art of meditation and that helped me uh, be calm and be centered and be peaceful and that helped me uh, you know accept reality that was the first thing i did and the second thing i did and i had never uh, done meditation before and the second thing i did which i had also never done before i started talking to a clinical psychologist okay. you know before my stroke you know i was uh, definitely not in the camp of talking to a third party and and i felt that only data, data being a very analytical and data driven person only logic is required and i didn't think that uh, this touchy feely stuff was useful but i found talking to a clinical psychologist to be very very helpful for me in accepting uh, reality and what was happening to me so meditation and talking to a psychologist helped me accept reality and and uh, and help me move away from the why me uh, thoughts constant thoughts so then you move you move further further on you you're getting better you're getting physically better you're getting psychologically better and then you go through a divorce It's like the that now the rugs pulled out from under you again. How did how did what did you think when that happened? Right. So so again, you know, so 2018 uh, 2017 I had the stroke 
2018, I, 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 you know, I had to quit working, and then I had the divorce, and uh, and that was the lowest point in in my life. So you know, you know, uh, by that by, by then I was accepting reality a little bit. So in the book, you know, I have this uh, motif throughout the book. It is what it is. Became my mantra after six months after my stroke. So when the divorce happened and when I lost my job, you know, you know, I. Uh, yeah, you know, it is what it is helped me, uh, you know, kind of move forward. So it was definitely tough. And the way I look at it, David, you know, 2017 changed me. 2018, uh, you know, I was uh, completely broken. And 2019, you know, my eyes opened, you know, you know, I wanted to figure out what the heck I should do with my life. Sure. My eyes opened that I, you know, I wanted to write a book and I wanted to share my experiences with others. Other. And 2020, uh, I came back and I launched the book at the end of December. Yeah. So for everybody, again, it's one fine day. It's an amazing, it's an amazing book. It's an amazing story. There's real, I mean, there's just so many lessons uh, in here. Like I've got all kinds of notes in this book. It's just absolutely astounding. So, so did the book dawn on you quickly? Like, cause you, cause basically you're looking for some purpose at this point. How did you get to the idea that you wanted to write a book? Right, right. So, you know, so 2017 and uh, early part of 2018, definitely, you know, there was no thought about the book. But uh, I, I would say mid-2018, you know, uh, as I was trying to stabilize myself and, and as I tried to accept the reality, you know, I had to find something uh, uh, to carry on with my life. So the first idea of the book came uh, mid-2018, is that I should do something and uh, I I should do something and share my messages. So the thought uh, came to my mind that I, uh, writing a book will be the best best way to do it. So I, 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 you know, till that point, I had never thought I would write a book. And did you find did you find the the writing the book cathartic? Was it did it also help you process through what you had experienced? Absolutely. You know, you know, I was very very skeptical initially that you know. Uh, revisiting the events of the, of the past couple of years, will, will I be able to handle it? But in fact, it was very, very cathartic to, for me to, you know, look at my notes from my journal I keep and actually write about it. It was definitely very helpful in accepting reality. So it, it is definitely cathartic. So writing a journal is also very cathartic and writing a book was as well. Yeah, you talk about that. You talk about the process of journaling. Tell us a little about about that. What did you learn about journaling, and why do you recommend it to so many people? Right, right. So, so before my stroke, uh, David, I used to always do. Uh, you know, I was a to do person. I would al always list the things of uh, you know things I wanted to get done, but I never documented my feelings on paper. And 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 after my stroke, I started to do that as a part of my therapy uh, treatment. And what I did was, you know, obviously I continued doing to-dos, but I also documented my feelings for that day on paper for that, uh, for, for that particular day. And at the end of the day, I would also write down three things which I was very thankful and grateful for for that day. So that has helped me a lot. Uh, and, you know, I, so I moved away from a, a to-do person to a journaling person. And today I do both. And, and documenting your feelings is definitely helpful for one. And, and, and that's what I would say for, you know, anybody out there. You know, it, you just don't need to have a medical crisis like me. It could be, you know, uh, anybody can uh, benefit from journaling. Do you think in, in all the work that you're, that you're doing and that you've done, 
Do you think that it takes a crisis for somebody to kind of wake up to the being as intentional in their life as you're being now? Or can anybody come to this realization if they start just being conscious about what they're doing? What's your thought on that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, I think anybody can. You know, it doesn't take a medical crisis like me uh, to make these changes uh, in, in your life. You know, you know, I, 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 I wasn't prepared before my stroke, and I've learned a lot you know, doing these different things after my stroke. So, you know, you know, I can definitely say that uh, people can do it now. You know, I, I, I wish I would have done some of these things before my stroke, but people can definitely do these things now and not wait for a crisis. And that was my intention behind the book. You know, I didn't want people to wait, uh, you know, uh, for a crisis to happen and then do certain things. People can start doing some of these things now. And uh, that's the message from my book. What are you, what, what's your, what's your future vision? What, where are you going? What are you doing now? Right. So, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I'm on long-term disability Yeah. and, you know, I've uh, written a book now and, you know, my intention is to continue writing in some shape or form. Uh, and, you know, maybe I'll be writing uh, another book or I may be writing some columns or I may be doing some speaking uh, engagements or what, whatever, but I'm a realist. I'm, I'm a very practical person. All these activities, you know, I need to make enough money to put uh, food on my table. Yeah. And if I can't, then I may quietly go back to some part-time work at so, some point and or, or do both, you know, do some part-time work and, and do writing. But at this point, my intention is to write or, or, you know, do things related to writing and speaking and so on. So, but only yeah. time will tell. That's fantastic. What, what, um, you're you're on you're on you're on disability. What's life for you like right now? How how challenging is your day to day life? Right, it, it was very challenging, and uh, you know because you know I was working nonstop before this uh, for 24 years. So suddenly now I'm you know you know not doing any work. So I've I've kind of built up this new routine where I you know do stuff. You know I try to uh, engage myself as much as I can, as much as my health permits. You know, in connecting with other people, helping other people, you know, connect, find jobs and so on and so forth. And I, you know, I comment on some of the business articles uh, my ex-colleagues write and so on and so forth. So I try to keep myself involved, but, but definitely not working and uh, being productive part of, uh, uh, being a productive person professionally. It, it is hard, but I have kind of redesigned, redesigned and reinvented my life to kind of be as productive as possible, even though I'm not fully working. When you, do you think, was there anything from your childhood that you think led to the idea that you became so resilient after this, after this crisis? Or was, or do you think that that resilience was something that you had to learn? I'm really curious about that. Right. I, I think uh, the, the answer to that, David, is twofold, right? Uh, so, you know, I've inherited uh, strength and resiliency from my mother and her uh, and her mother, my grandmother. Okay. Some of it was definitely genetic. Uh, but also, you know, after these things happened, you know, I've learned how to be resilient. And uh, that's what I say in my book that, you know, strength is something you don't realize you fully have it till you have to use it. So, so I've learned uh, also after my stroke on how to be resilient, how to be strong and how to be how to move forward. So the answer is twofold. You know, you are born with some, some of this, uh, but more importantly, you can learn and develop uh, this further, whether it's resiliency, whether it's being positive or, and so on and so forth. I think that's fantastic. I just want to say congratulations to you 
for, for not just what you've done, but the significance and the shift of the mindset, like to be in denial for that period of time. And then you come to terms with it. You start to seek out help for yourself. You're learning new things. Like, it's like you said, you're a very practical person. Uh, you didn't think emotions played into your healing that much. It was like, let's logically look at what, what has to be done, which is a great thing. But then the healing process shows up and you, you actually moved into it when so many people don't do that. They find themselves coping in some other way, which is usually not not healthy to them. We all we all have seen that before. But I just want to say, you know, like I think that's amazing. Congratulations for what you've done, and you're helping so many people. You really are. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So again, everybody, uh, Samir Bidet. It's one fine day. It's a phenomenal book. Like it is. It is just so rich in in stories and practical things that we can do to not just change our life as much as enhance it, how we're doing every day and really keep a, a, a focus on what's good, what's positive, what's strong. Be sure you get the book. Is there anything else you'd like to leave us with? Is there, is there, where would, where can they go to learn more about you? Right. So uh, David, they can go to my website. I've created a website. Uh, it's my first name and last name, samirbide.com. And they will get all the information about the book and about me and, uh, and so on and so forth right on the website. And they can find the book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble in the U.S. And it's available on different platforms all over the world. That's great. Thank you so much. Samir, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your story and the courage uh, to not just overcome something, but to really live your life. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Well, thanks a lot for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.